0: I can never go back to working for someone else. There's just so much freedom that comes with being able to run your own business and do things your way. You're listening to the Freedom Found
1: Podcast, an audio community for freedom-driven entrepreneurs wanting to build and scale an impactful online business that allows you to spend more time with your toes in the sand than your fingers on the keyboard. I'm your host, Crystal Church. I'm a copywriter and consultant, borderless entrepreneur, and wannabe dog mom. On this podcast, we'll talk all things online business, marketing, strategy, mindset, health, travel, and what it's really like to be a borderless entrepreneur. Freedom Found is all about equipping you with insight and actionable tips to help you build your business around your life so you can spend more time exploring new cities, hanging with your family, working on that new business project, or quite frankly, however the hell you'd like. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Found podcast. This is a special one because today we have the honor to talk to a wonderful client of the Casey Copy Studio and just special human being, Dr. Sheena. Dr. Sheena is a licensed psychologist and coach who specializes in working with self-led millennial and Gen Z women who are high achievers and perfectionists. Welcome to the Freedom Found podcast. Hello, Crystal. I am
0: really, really excited to be here.
1: I am so excited to have you. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Sheena is just like literally a wealth of information, knowledge, and just a fun person (laughs) to be around. So I think this is going to be a really fun conversation today. Can we kick things off by
0: hearing a little bit about yourself and how you got started in entrepreneurship? Absolutely. Yes. And I love that we, for viewers, for listeners, we are both the same Enneagram type, by the way. A fun little fact about both of us, Enneagram ah, 6. So it is, is going to be a fun time today. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> um. But yes, I, as you mentioned, Crystal, my name is Dr. Sheena Sikorsky and I'm a psychologist. And my story goes way back to high school. People always ask me how I got interested in the field of psychology. and it was actually during a senior high school class with Mrs. Mazella that changed my relationship with psychology, and she gave me the words that I didn't have to articulate the thoughts that I was having about humans. I've always found humans in general so fascinating, and from there, it just turned, blossomed into this love, and so I went on to get my doctorate in psychology, which is quite a long time, road, but here I still am standing. So it is you survived. I survived. <laughs> We're all better and, for it. <laughs> oh, yes. I truly do love what I do. And I started my business a couple of years ago, working part-time as I worked full-time in a hospital. I was a psychologist on an inpatient psychiatric unit at a hospital in Minneapolis where I live. And I decided that I was going to just jump right in. I had some unfortunate personal life events happen that really made me stop and take a really reflect on what truly is important to me. And I decided something needed to change. And so I, like I said, I just jumped right in and I've been my a full time business owner For just over a year now. And it's been going amazing. Stop.
1: Just over a year? Oh my gosh. This is like
0: age where some (laughs)
1: people just like naturally look so young. I was going to guess that you have like, like had this steady, like consistent business for years because... That's what I see. That's what I do. I mean, we we've worked on multiple projects with you, and you just seem to have this rock solid foundation. So, like, extra kudos to you for hitting oh, thank you. and like just I just having built what you built. Like, how does that feel?
0: It honestly, it's I have to pinch myself sometimes. I really, actually, I don't really pinch myself, but <laughs> I think about pinching myself, and I am amazed at how I've built this business. From the ground up, I, if you had told me five years ago, even Sheena, do you ever see yourself owning a business? I never thought I would be here, but here I am. And I I absolutely love it. I can never go back to working for someone else. There's just so much freedom that comes with being able to run your own business and do things your way. Working in large organizations like hospital settings, you don't really get to do that. And so i am I'm so thankful that i I am really able to cultivate not only the lifestyle but be able to cultivate the relationships that I have with clients in a way that I wasn't really able to do in the past and the in the previous mm. positions I've had.
1: Yeah. was that a surprise for you, or was that one of the motivators? Like how did that come to be this more intimate connection with patients?
0: Yeah, that's such a good question. I I actually talk about this sometimes on my Instagram, but for the longest time when I was in graduate school, I felt like a misfit. I honestly felt like the odd one out. What was taught in school is to essentially be a blank slate, Mm. to come to a client session and kind of dim your light. And it felt completely inauthentic for me. And I just, at that time, I was really experiencing, I had pretty severe social anxiety, especially with people who are in a position of authority for, um, over me, professors for one. And I really struggled with doubting myself as a result of the perfectionism, not believing that I deserved to be there or that I was smart enough to be there. And when I was in school, I realized that, it, and it this took several years, right? So like I'm like collapsing time here, but when I was in school, I realized, you know what? I don't actually have to do what they're telling me forever. Yes, I need to do it now to get through school and be able to graduate, but I could actually pave my own path. I could actually do something that is completely aligned with who I am and what my core values are. And that was really when I started to step into my power.
1: That is so beautiful because I think that that common thread is like, like sitting through whatever group of us right now is like in this episode, experiencing this together. Like we were in a situation where we realized it doesn't have to be this way. I can be a different version of myself. Like for me, it was like sitting in conference rooms, having, you know, meetings with probably like nine to one, like male to female ratio, you know, being talked over, like having to like fight the extra fight just to get heard in a meeting. And I felt like it didn't allow me to be my true self. And so like you being able to recognize like this, I would say default, you know, scenario that they're putting like therapists through of dole yourself down in your words. Right. And, yeah. you know, Don't really like bring in your personality or bring in who you are into a session. It's about the client. I think that ignoring that and saying, actually, I think there's a better way to connect with people. And I know from the things that we've done in projects and talked about the way that you work with your clients. And like one of like the big things is like, Your personality and you shining through. And I think that that's why people connect with you so, so much, especially Gen Z and millennial women. It's like nobody wants to sit there. And I've gone to therapy sessions, let me tell you. And I don't (laughs) want to
0: sit there and talk to somebody that is like a rock. (laughs) Like, you know? Oh my gosh. I completely agree. I actually had a former therapist call therapy houseplant therapy. This is the therapy he does not do. He's like, I will not sit back and just stare blankly at you with an expressionless face. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> I didn't know there and was no, a name for this. It's a clinical term. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, and it, interestingly enough, there's research out there on something called common factors. And essentially what this is, is they are factors that are found to be the, to help clients get the most transformation and the work that a client and a therapist are doing. And interestingly, the number one common factor that is found to help clients get the biggest transformation is the therapeutic relationship. Mm -hmm. So when I was in school, I was like, this is not computing for me. Make it make sense. Why is it that they're teaching us something that feels so incongruent Mm -hmm. to what the research is saying? And so it truly is going back to what you mentioned truly the business that I've created, it's true to who I am. Yeah, And it allows me to be myself. And the copy that you have created for me and my business really shines through in that. I'm so glad because that's the goal, right? It's we want somebody to feel yeah. when they read that copy,
1: like they know, what your relationship would be like in a session. So it gives somebody that like, you know, like mini preview of what you're actually like, like that you're a human, like that's the goal. Like you're a real person on the other side of this, helping them and building a relationship together.
0: I'm so glad that you said that. And that is one of the things that I think sets me apart from other therapists as well is showing that I am human. Mm -hmm. Like I am first and foremost, a human sitting in front of another human. I am not going to act like I am better than someone Mm -hmm. because I have all of this experience. I have just as many struggles. I've gone to therapy. I've experienced anxiety. I still experience anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to me that that level of equality comes across in the work that I do because it creates a safe space for clients to open up. If clients Mm -hmm. do not feel safe they are, for one, not want to come back. And two, they're going to continue to feel like they're in it all alone and they're in their pain and suffering all alone. And it's interesting because so many people come to me and they've been in therapy with numerous other therapists. And when they finally come to me, they feel seen, they feel heard. And that's because I'm showing up as you said, as a human first. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think that's the only way that we should be doing it. And I'm surprised that that isn't the norm, but I foresee a change, you know, and in the future, like the way that you're approaching things, I I hope that this catches on. And I hope that more and more therapists start saying, I'm not going to be a houseplant therapist, you know, and start building that (laughs) relationship because it's true. That's really what we need. So thinking about this and thinking about the way that you like went into your business and left the hospital, Like what made you niche? And because you've got such a specific ideal client and I love that. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to write for. It's so beautiful for you to be able to help one specific person because you will know that through and through. So what made you lean into helping perfectionists and high achievers?
0: Basically, it's me. I'm, (laughs) I'm helping a former version of myself. And I saw how difficult it was to find someone to work with that I connected with on a deep level that could help me create transformation in my life. And I am obviously now with like all of this expertise and experience and everything that I have. And being that I am now quite many years along in my, in my journey, I decided to specialize in this very niche area. And that, that again, that really helps me relate to the women that I work with because I totally get where they're coming from. So not only do I have that human lens, I also have that psychological lens as well that I bring with me from mm-hmm. my work as a psychologist.
1: Uh, I think that's so beautiful too, because it, <laughs> it's so hard, like, oh my gosh, it, One of the reasons why I don't see a male gynecologist is I'm like, you don't quite understand, (laughs) right? I know some people do, and like to each their own. But for me, I'm like, I want somebody that I feel like can really like empathize or, you know, put themselves in my shoes. And I think that's so beautiful about what you're doing. So that said, can you break down for us and let's get a little bit more tangible because I am I am guessing, like I have a strong hunch that we've got a lot of high achievers and perfectionists in the Freedom Found podcast community. I know myself, even as we were working on your projects, I was like, I am writing for me. Oh my gosh. So can you break down, what does that look like? How would somebody know if they're a high achiever or perfectionist? And then how might that play out in their business and entrepreneurship?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I see you. You are so seen. <laughs> As are all of the listeners right now listening, thinking, oh, crap, they've said the high achiever perfectionist <laughs> Oh, boy. And their ears are starting to break right? Yeah. Well, um, don't, don't tune
1: out like you need to listen to this because honestly, what comes next is really going to help you. Like, you know, turning this into a superpower, I think, is the best thing that you can do. And you really opened up my eyes to that instead of quote unquote curing, which is is something we can talk more about in a minute. But I think this concept is like really pivotal in just continuing on in entrepreneurship. So take it away. Mm
0: -hmm. So the way I look at it is that perfectionism is an umbrella term for all of these other things, all of these thoughts, feelings, behaviors that are going on underneath that umbrella. And at the root of perfectionism, people who experience that have a strong desire to be accepted, just as we all do. I look at acceptance as being on a spectrum with people who have perfectionism. It is very much in the extreme. And not only do they want to feel that level of acceptance because really they're afraid of rejection, they also have a strong desire to try and combat their fear of rejection with a need to be perfect, a need to achieve up to a certain level of expectation or standard that is unrealistic, that is oftentimes completely unattainable. When women come to me, we really break down the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are accompanying perfectionism I can share for you personally what that journey has been like just to protect the confidentiality of clients. For me personally, that looked like, and I talked about this a little bit ago, but having thoughts of I'm stupid. I'm not good enough to be here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be found out. Imposter syndrome, that is actually can be a symptom of perfectionism.
1: Oh, wow. Because we know how many entrepreneurs are struggling with imposter syndrome.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. It can definitely be a symptom. I need to do this task just right. I need to spend X amount of time on this paper in order to get an A. If I don't get an A, then I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are the things that I was telling myself. And these are the things that I often hear clients saying, I mean, we the harsh inner critic is an, absolutely a symptom of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. as a result of those inner critic thoughts, and I mean, I can go on and on about these thoughts, but as a result of that, I experienced a lot of shame, a lot of shame about who I was. And shame is all about a fear of disconnection. And if we go back to what perfectionism is, the fear of being rejected, Shame is often the underlying emotion that accompanies it. Mm -hmm. Feeling like there is something flawed about us that if made public, we will be judged. We will be be perceived as weak, stupid, dumb, a bad business owner, not worthy of bringing in six figures. Mm -hmm. As a result of those emotions and thoughts then. We will often procrastinate. So, it will often.
1: That's a form of like self sabotage. Like, you see this alternative timeline of, you know, people finding out, quote unquote, right? And then you're procrastinating so that you don't have to face the music that you think is going to play.
0: That oftentimes is the case. When we look at what perfectionism is, it's actually a way to regulate our emotions. Mm -hmm. It's an avoidance strategy. If I just put off doing the thing that I need to do, long enough then the anxiety will go away then the shame will go away mm-hmm. then the inner critic thoughts will go away the reality is though it does that's not that. happen mm-hmm. and that's weird so a lot of times when clients come to me i'm like are you making that those some like dead person goals we got to make some goals that are actually achievable here <laughs> because there is no way that you're going to be able to achieve those things i sort of joke with them and i'm playful with them because yeah. we both know like they're absolutely ridiculous. And they know that logically, but emotionally, it feels completely unsafe to not procrastinate, to mm-hmm. approach the things that we're afraid of. One of the things that I see frequently in terms of procrastination, especially with female business owners, entrepreneurs that I work with, is getting stuck in the learning loop. And mm-hmm. I could definitely relate to that oh, when I, I see was
1: see that that is like yes. number one copywriter symptom is uh, i'm just gonna learn 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 yep because there's so much fear of being judged or so much fear of if i send this project to a client or if it doesn't perform or if 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 if, if. <laughs> so i'm just gonna learn as much as i can so then i don't have to do this other side so then i don't have to see you know does it really work you know um because therefore like you said if it doesn't then i'm bad <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And that is, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I can definitely see how that would play out with copywriters mm-hmm. and new therapists, even new coaches, anyone new to something, oftentimes we can start to engage in those procrastination behaviors. But sometimes it can be very chronic. Mm-hmm. And we can, as you said, start end up self-sabotaging. We can end up getting in our own way. The way that I like to frame it to clients is that their brain is being overly helpful. Their brain is interpreting a threat. If they approach the thing that they've been procrastinating on, so if we've got copywriters listening, I'm just going to procrastinate or, you know, just get, go down the rabbit hole with learning everything there is to know about copywriting, then maybe I'll know enough and it will prevent me from having to experience the anxiety. Mm -hmm. But it sounds logical. It does, it does. And what I teach clients is that we can't choose one or the other. We Mm -hmm. can't choose to procrastinate or avoid and try to stop our thoughts from happening. They need to come along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And we've got to learn the tools to be able to manage the discomfort that comes up when those things do arise. When we do have those like strong desires, those strong urges to get stuck in that learning loop or just procrastinate or work on the weekends or choose not to go out with friends on a Friday night for cocktails because, well, my boss asked me to work late. So and I've got to prove to my boss that I'm worthy of being here of I I really want this raise and I know that if I stay late on a Friday, then I'll be more likely to get the raise. But really, what we're actually doing is shaping people's behavior and making them think that, oh, just ask Sheena; she'll do it. She'll do it. Mm Hmm. She'll she'll do it. Oh, oh, that's deep. (laughs) And there's many layers here, but that's where resentment can come in, and we end up overworking because yeah, because of it.
1: Yeah. So this is so fascinating. In your journey, when you realized, okay. (laughs) I might be a perfectionist. I might have these high achieving tendencies. I might be having some of these behaviors crop up. What did you do? You know, what was the process like for you to either, either change those behaviors or look at them through a different lens or incorporate, you know, X, Y, or Z? Like, what did that look like? And similarly, how can a listener right now start to think about their high achieving and perfectionist tendencies in a different way?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because so often people assume that I, well, because I went to school to become a psychologist, I should know all the tools that I need to be able to work through my own blocks. You should be perfect. (laughs) There's so much irony. That's true. Yes. And the reality is, no, I, for one, I didn't go to school to do therapy on myself, although that is part of the self-discovery journey that you go through as you're going through grad school. but. It's also being able to take a look, I mean, when I realized that I had these tendencies of perfectionism, I initially tried to do things myself. I tried to use some of the tools that they taught me in school, but I realized that that was not working for me. So even though I go to school to even though I went to school to be a psychologist, They taught me how to do therapy with other people, not necessarily myself. Mm -hmm. So I ended up reaching out for therapy and because I had done enough reading to know that this is what it is. It's perfectionism. It's social anxiety. Mm -hmm. And having that level of awareness was helpful as I was was trying to find a therapist. And when I did uh, end up going and meeting with a therapist, it was really, really helpful To shine a light on some of the areas in my life that I didn't realize were happening. Like I had some idea, but we were really able because she had an outside perspective. She was able to give me a different lens from which to view the things going on in my life and where they were coming from, why I was doing what I was doing. And that was really helpful, incredibly helpful. And I would say for people realizing, oh my goodness, I'm really resonating with this right now. I identify as a high achiever. I identify as a perfectionist. That is huge. I want you to give yourself a round of applause for even being brave enough and courageous enough and mindful enough to recognize that those are struggles that you're going through. And it's not the end of the road for you. That's actually Mm -hmm. opening lots of doors. There are lots of opportunities for you to address this and get help for it.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that that is so beautiful because first of all, what you did was go and seek out professional help, which is what we should all be doing. And I can attest to having therapy. And especially as you grow as an entrepreneur, I think I keep saying to Dale, I'm like, I think every level it's like, you need a, like a new, like bout in the deep end therapy because so many different things crop up and you, you, it really is the biggest self-development journey. So tying that in with some professional help, obviously just makes sense. It's like two pieces in a pod, but thinking about like somebody going through this experience, I know personally for me in the beginning when I was overworking, when I had really, really big goals and a lot of inner critic, you know, voices in my head and a lot of of pressure that I was putting on myself. One of the things that I didn't want to do was go to therapy because I was like, I know if I go, like, I know I have these tendencies. I didn't want to say them to myself, but like, they were still there. Like in the back of my mind, I knew, but I didn't want to go. Cause I was like, I'm going to open a can of worms. It's going to be a whole thing. I don't have time for that. Right. That was like, my thought is like, I have so many other things to do. I don't have time for this. Whereas I love the way that you shaped it. And what's so beautiful about that is it's not like you're opening this can of worms you have to deal with is you're opening opportunity. And that's what this really comes back to. And what I think makes you so special and so different as a therapist is the way that you approach it. And you see a lot of rhetoric online. And we saw this when we were doing research for your projects, rhetoric of coming back to what I mentioned earlier in the episode of cure your perfectionism, right? Figure out how to cure yourself, heal yourself, XYZ yourself out of it. And I think it is doing such a disservice to women because if you go in with this lens, first of all, like, as I know from working with you and you have said, like, there is no cure to it. This is who you are. It is a part of you. It's part of the way that your brain works. And you can share more about that with us. But from this other angle, it's like, it's, I think, stopping people from wanting to go down this journey. Like, that's what it did for me. And then the moment I started going to therapy, I was like, oh, wait a second she's giving me tools. Oh, wait a second. Like there are ways that I can actually like move forward and start to like reframe and shift and, and just, you know, adapt the way that this has been playing out on a day-to-day basis for me. So what's your opinion? Can you share more on that?
0: Yes. And for those of you who obviously you are not watching, but my palms went onto my face and I just, (laughs) yes, I am so, so exhausted from seeing this stuff online. And Women who experience perfectionism are already experiencing enough shame as it is. Shame makes us hide. Why would someone want to work with a provider or a therapist who is essentially shaming them? Who is essentially saying, there is something wrong with you. We have to cure this. We have to fix yeah. this. Gosh, it's, would you put it that way, that's so, that's disgusting. Honestly, it makes me angry and mm-hmm. I channel that anger into passion in the way that I work with my clients and the way that I show up online. And sometimes we just don't know, right? It's just, it's a different way of looking at it. And having been where my clients are, I see how important it is to look at perfectionism from the lens of it being a superpower. It really is. If we're able to figure out how to harness, because it's like any powers that someone has on, you know, like one of the superhero movies, they are tempted by the dark side and they it's up to them to figure out how to learn to use their powers for good. That's yeah. essentially what we are doing when I work with clients is I help them learn how to, not get sucked into the dark side. And if they do, like, it's okay. We're human. We make mistakes and then channel those tendencies to be really hardworking, really passionate, really empathetic and use them to their benefit. It opens up so many more opportunities when we look at it from that lens versus like, there's something wrong with you. It's mm-hmm. like finger wagging in your face. You need Just to stop fix doing that. it. Just stop.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, that I love that metaphor so much because I think that's the truth. You're tempted by the dark side, but there's all this opportunity and ways to help <laughs> both yourself and many others on the other side of it.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah, and and my clients really resonate with it. Obviously, resonate with it, which is why I talk about it in the work that I do with clients. But it really is. I mean, and a lot of times, clients they are doing the best they can with the tools that they have. Mm -hmm. And they have, just like we all do, we have some areas of strength and areas of growth. And I just help them really use their strengths to pull out those areas that they're really trying to grow in and harness them, like I said, to their benefit.
1: Oh, so good. I think we all need a Sheena in our life. So that said, (laughs) if there's somebody who's been listening and they're like, oh man, these ladies are calling me out. That is me. What is something that they can do right now today to just start, start the very beginning of this journey, you know, of this reckoning with the dark and the light side and saying, okay, how can I make this into the best part of me?
0: Yes. I'm so glad you asked. I have so many ideas. Yay. (laughs) I'm taking notes. (laughs) You, you do it. The biggest thing is, well, there's a couple, but one is approaching the thoughts that women with perfectionism are experiencing with a sense of curiosity, the sense of wonder, like a little kid seeing a dog or a rabbit for the first time. Not the crying part, we'll leave that out. (laughs) But sometimes, you know how they just will sit and all like, oh my gosh, never seen this before. Approaching your thoughts that way from a completely unattached way can give you a different vantage point from which to Mm -hmm. view the story that is being told in your brain. Mm -hmm. So almost like like, taking a step back And being able to look at it from
1: like a slightly further perspective and say, okay, what does this really look like instead of being so
0: in the emotions? That's exactly it. Yeah. Sometimes I use the image of, imagine if you're standing up on a balcony and all of the thoughts that you have are, you're literally plucking them out and putting them out. Like you're just sort of tossing them out below you onto the ground in front of you And it's really interesting what happens. I find that some women are really scared to do that. They're really scared to look at the thoughts that they have from that vantage point because they are so fused to them. They look at those thoughts as facts. They see them as part of their identity. So it's almost like this grief process that Women will go through sometimes as they are distancing themselves, creating space for curiosity with their thoughts rather than being their thoughts. Ooh,
1: that's deep. Rather than being, we're going to create this this distance and and look at it from that perspective. I think that's a beautiful exercise and we we should all do this. Perfectionist or not, I think everybody's got some sort of inner critic voice and learning how to kind of like almost disassociate from like you being the thing sounds like where the power is coming from. Yes, mm-hmm. it is
0: because we have about 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Wow. The likelihood that every single one of those thoughts is based on fact is just not possible. Right. We respond mm-hmm. as if we, they are fact, we respond as if we have to obey them, mm-hmm. as if it's a dictator in our mind, we have to listen or else something bad will happen. Mm-hmm. So that sense of curiosity, that sense of distancing, that sense of writing down the thoughts that you're having, creating a name for your inner critic. I always joke, just call your inner critic Karen, come up with a name. Karen. Sorry oh, for anyone. Karen. <laughs> I feel for you guys. I, gonna... I love
1: that. That's something that I've actually done. And it's been a while now, so I actually don't remember her name. I should go back to like my therapy notes and see what it was, because I think that that is like one of the, I don't know, like first moments that I realized, wait, I am not this wait I have a say in the conversation and I can tell her to kind of like cool off, F off <laughs> and get out of here. Right. And it put, a, <laughs> it put a sense of control back into my life. And yeah, I think that that's a very powerful tool.
0: It is, and another strategy to use is we're talking about this concept of diffusion. So I talked about fusion and how fusion happens when we are our thoughts, we become our thoughts, Mm -hmm. we respond as if we are them. Diffusion is the opposite, it's creating that distance as we were just talking about. Some clients, uh, like I have one client who likes to say their inner critic thoughts in accents. Oh, I love Sometimes, it. <laughs> yeah, like a Scottish accent. We have or accents to play that out. <laughs> I would they not are. I would not do that one. <laughs> they definitely are. Or just coming up with a movie character or singing them. Mm-hmm. You know, imagining your Taylor Swift. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan, so that's why I used her. But imagining your Taylor Swift up on stage and singing the thoughts. It just... It creates that distance and almost it brings Mm -hmm. some silliness, some lightness to the situation. And it makes you realize like, oh, you know what? That is silly. That's, of course, that's not true. Of course, I'm not stupid. I have a doctorate degree. Right? (laughs) Right. What is it in Harry Potter where they let
1: somebody please tell me or Sheena, if you know, but they let whatever it is out of the chest and it's supposed to be like at first your worst fear and it morphs into that. But then you imagine it as something silly, like somebody imagined like Snape wearing a handbag, like, you know, as somebody's grandma was at Neville. I don't know, but I, same concept. Yes.
0: <laughs> I love that you used the Harry Potter reference. <laughs> Just like that. Yes. I don't know what the name of it is, and I'm. Somebody DM me. It. Yes, please. Someone, <laughs> someone, give us the name. Yes. That's what it is. So it's it's me. a fun, fun way to create that distance. Yeah, that's imperative. Yeah.
1: Okay, this has been so good, and I just think it's just been such a raw, real conversation about like what we really go through as like women in entrepreneurship, as just humans, and it allows us, I think, to. Like take a look in the mirror in like more of a, a loving way, like w- with that self-compassion and you know, really going into this as this can be your biggest superpower. And there are lots of ways that you can use this to improve and enhance your life versus feeling necessarily like you're being, you know, controlled or crippled by it. So that said, I have one question that I'd like to ask all podcast guests, our closing question. We all have this dream inside of us, living out freedom, whatever that means to each of us in a different form, most likely. And so many of us started our businesses for this very purpose, you know, to bring that into our day-to-day reality. So through your lens, what advice would you give to female entrepreneurs listening on a mission to
0: create more freedom in their life? Mm, I love that question, Crystal. I think... For myself, one of the things that I found is setting myself free from my anxiety, setting myself free from perfectionism, and allowing me, giving myself permission to make mistakes, giving myself permission to mess up. And that's part of life. It's Mm -hmm. messy. And embodying that in a way that feels authentic for me. Is showing up being silly, being fun, engaging and really stepping into that, like activating my voice, I think Mm -hmm. has been something that I've, has been really helpful at setting me free and creating this freedom lifestyle. And that's what's enabled me to grow and scale my business. Okay. This gave me goosebumps
1: because I think this is the first answer where it has been, and I love all of the unique answers we get, but it has been so, so focused on the intrinsic freedom that you can have, right? And really looking at self and feeling free from the inside before feeling free on the outside necessarily, like freedom, lifestyle with business, entrepreneurship, financial freedom is is what I mean there. But like really focusing on like like releasing whatever tension is holding you up and and creating that freedom internally
0: first. It's so true because if we don't feel worthy of receiving the external things that we get from creating a business like time freedom, financial freedom, we are not going to appreciate it in the same way that we would if we feel worthy of that. And I do feel worthy of it because of the work that I've done and I continue to do. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I have goosebumps now that you said that.
1: It's like you're flipping the script on so much of what we talk about. And that's why I wanted to bring you here today for like the different perspective that you can share with me and the listeners. And I feel like I've gotten a front row seat and I'm so grateful to that. And all of just the knowledge nuggets that you've like, you know, shared along the way today. So thank you so, so much for being here. I mean that. And can you please share with the listeners? How they can connect with you further, how they can learn from you, work with you, all the things.
0: Yes. And thank you so much, Crystal. I'm so happy I got to chat with you. It's, I've loved working with you. You're fabulous. Everyone needs to work with Crystal. Oh, thank you. Uh, I've loved working with you. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You're incredible. And yeah, so they can go to my Instagram account. It is Sheena. Psy-D-L-P, that's really long. I'm thinking of changing it. Um, I'll link it in the show notes as well. Oh, fabulous. Okay, thank you. And then they can go to my website where we can chat further about working together in therapy or in a coaching capacity. My website is drsheenasikorsky.com. So drsheenasikorsky.com. And I love chatting with people in the DMs so come on over we can have a chat see if we'd be a good fit I do calls with people to make sure that we're both good fit to work together I'm not into the salesy stuff like I ew, ew. that is no uh, surprise <laughs> <laughs> for a good reason yeah yes and yeah so I I invite you if you're interested to reach out and we can set up a time to chat Awesome. Thank you so, so much again and have a beautiful rest of your day.
1: Listeners, I'll catch you on the next one. Bye.